0: The following is a paid commercial program, and the views expressed are those of the speaker and do not reflect the views or opinions of iHeartRadio, its staff, or management. Welcome to Issues That Matter a weekly program featuring interesting topics and fascinating guests each week issues that matter tackles the concerns of people across all spectrums and now with this week's edition of issues that matter here are your hosts edward king and kristen hurley
1: yeah thank you very much mark uh today we have a very special guest with us another one of these strings of trying to stand up for parental rights and what we've got on board today is um Tiffany Justice, she is one of the co-founders of Moms for Liberty, along with Tina Deskovich, who uh, they started this only a couple of years ago. And we really want to dig into some of the details of what this foundation and this group is doing. In essence, I could recap a couple of things. One is they are a issues-based organization. Now, they are conservative, but not party-based, since they have members representing all spectrums. And, you know, the moms are here to save America and they're basically out of Melbourne, Florida or the Eastern side of Florida. And what really got things going for us as parents across the country is the COVID policies. And it basically revealed that to parents, what parents need to do to reclaim their children's education and recognize that we are not here to be co-parenting with the government. Now, Moms for Liberty, as I understand it, is representing about 100,000 women across the country, and also they've got, at the moment, 275 chapters nationwide and are represented in 44 different states. I know for some of our local um, audiences on the different radio stations, we certainly could see a chapter grow in Monterey County and Santa Cruz County, especially knowing myself the high level of activity of moms and dads that are getting involved with the school boards and trying to salvage the American education process. So without further ado, I want to get our special guest on board. Tiffany, welcome to our show.
2: Thank you for having me. I think, uh, you know, the fact that you introduced us as an issues-based organization is absolutely right. Our, Our moms and dads are concerned about issues that are human issues. These are not partisan. This isn't Democrat or Republican. Parental rights are for everyone. And every parent has the fundamental right to direct the upbringing of their child in America.
1: Right. I mean, we parents have always, historically, and I've been around a long time, a couple of decades at least, you know, parents were the ones that are responsible for raising their kids. And it's a, a total shame to me, and I'm actually I think it's bizarre, that we have to defend our rights, and not just locally in the school districts, but at the legislative area, and that's the alert that I wanted to bring, because a couple of months ago, I understand that you had an opportunity to to share with the uh, Congress there in Washington, DC, with some of the more recent events. But take us back, you and your co-founder, Tina, they were you were both school board members, as I understand it, and had spent two terms, both of you, four years. Why was it at that time period, 2020, that you felt that you really needed to uh, jump on board and respond to what was going on, considering you were on the inside?
2: Tina and I, first and foremost, are moms. Um, we both have children. We both had children in the public school system. I have four children, 18 through 11. Um, you know, that was 2016. They were quite a bit younger then. Um, and the perspective that you have when you are a parent So you have children in the schools and you're a school board member. So you're there crafting the policy and watching the superintendent and staff create procedure around those policies. When you're the parent, you get to see the implementation. And you get to see it directly with your own children in their own schools. And then you have friends who have children in school and you get a lot of feedback. So it's not just, you know, you're a school board member who occasionally hears about schools at church or at the grocery store. You're actively living in that life. And um, it just really showed Tina and I that the American public education system, uh, the goals had changed. Parents expectations for public education have not changed. Uh, What we see, and we just finished some national polling that we'll be releasing is that parents want schools to get back to the basics. They want kids to learn to read, read, to write, to do math. Uh, But school's goals in America have changed. Uh, It doesn't seem like practicable skills are what the focus is. It seems like um, they would like our children to be uh, politically literate um, and to be what I kind of call social justice warriors. Um, So the reading part, not as important as it should be anymore And American parents are taking a stand. Tina and I saw that during COVID. We saw parents stepping up and trying to push back. Tina tells a story of one parent who spoke in front of the school board who said, I'm going to report you to the county commission. And Tina sat there and thought the county commission has nothing to do with what we do. And she realized in that moment that we really needed to help parents to be effective advocates because they were concerned and rightly so, but they didn't know what the next steps were to take to have their voice heard.
0: Good
1: point.
3: You know, (laughs) Tiffany, the parents' rights movement that really has come to the forefront and sprung up in the last couple of years, I think is an illustration of the greater struggle we're having, the we the people, versus this government that's just all too happy to squash us and remove the Bill of Rights, et cetera. Um, But the parents' rights movement is something we can really sink our teeth into, right? Everyone runs around and wonders, well, what can we do? Um, and also, you know, I think it's just, it's opened everyone's eyes and revealed ha- what's actually going on in government. And I think to everyone's absolute surprise, we have found that the school boards, the local school districts and the board of trustees, which are supposed to be just civilian people in the community elected to oversee uh, what's going on in the schools and that sort of thing, seemingly innocuous, have incredible power. Yeah. Um, and I think that's come to the forefront. So, I mean, let's talk a little bit about that. Why is it that a school, school board um, gets to make so many um, broad decisions? For- I think it's
2: really important. Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. It's also what makes America so incredibly special. Um, You know, we're different than other countries. Uh, Canada is similar, actually, in some of their structure. But we have elected representatives at that very most local level. And it's really important. That local control is important. What I think Americans are seeing is that increasingly the federal government has more and more control on our public schools. Um, I'd love to come back one time. I don't think we'll have time today to talk to you a little bit about how they're trying to do that. They are actively trying to take more control every day. But during COVID, we certainly saw that, right? Uh, We saw recommendations from the CDC which were merely recommendations. They are not a regulatory agency that were really trumping parental rights at that most local level with school boards. And we had to take a step back and say, whoa, whoa, whoa why is that happening? Um, So, you know, it's beautiful uh, that we have local control of, um, you know, education and it's really important, but that also means that we have to work really hard to get liberty minded individuals on those school boards. The price of liberty is eternal vigilance. And I think what American parents realized during COVID was we hadn't, Been vigilant enough. You know, we weren't present. We weren't asking enough questions. uh, And our voices certainly weren't being heard. And so I think what you're seeing now is a group of Americans who recognize this government does not work well without us, certainly doesn't keep the interests of families and the future of children at the forefront of their thinking when making decisions. And who else is going to make that happen besides parents?
3: Well, and you guys have been in the news lately. (laughs) 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 An understatement. Yeah, are you book banners, Tiffany? You guys ban (laughs) books Uh, because we struggle with the way the media redefines uh, reality, and and parents' rights now. The words "parent," oh, you're for parents' rights. Well, that now equates to you know knuckle dragging. Nazi book banners. Uh-huh. the complete opposite. So, I mean, what do you say about that? What's going on specifically in Florida where we've seen a lot of change um, with Governor DeSantis and the work that you guys have been doing, school boards, uh, are, are you banning books? What's up with that? Yeah, no. So, curating
2: content in a children's library is not banning books. Um, so, and I think it's important to, to remember that you wouldn't have the same books in a seminary that you would in a medical college. And so, the idea that a book not being present in a public school library means that it's banned is ridiculous. Um, You know, what we have found is some really graphic sexual content in a lot of these books. Uh, Moms and dads have been asking questions all over the country. We weren't the first people to get involved in this, but certainly I think when the media looks for a scapegoat, they very much, you know, wanted to lay uh, this idea of book banning at our feet. It's just not true. What's happening in Florida, I mean, we passed HB 1557, which was the parental rights and education law. It said no gender identity or sexual orientation instruction in grades K through three. Um, And uh, then the questions that we got asked were, well, why did it stop at grade three? Why not go all the way? That's what American parents were asking. American mm-hmm. parents were saying, when did any genera- genera- start being taught in our, our classrooms? When do we ever agree to that? A- and what we saw in national polling was that co- close to 70% of Democrats and Republicans agreed that HB 1557, once they understood what the seven-page bill said and didn't buy the moniker that was given by the media of the Don't Say Gay bill. Uh, Once they understood what the bill did, they were completely in support of it. So what I think you see is a very calculated attempt by the unions and the left to try to villainize and marginalize parents for being concerned about their children and their education. Uh, But you know, I believe people when they show me who they are. And when Terry McAuliffe or Randy Weingarten or Joe Biden for that matter get up and say they're all our children or leave everything to the teachers, they're the experts. No, love is an expertise. Parents are the best expert of their own child. And there's just not a future for America, with the government or the state thinking that they know better for you than your own child.
1: Well, I'm just kind of dumbfounded when I think about all of these things, especially in regards to the books. But I don't want to limit it to our conversation, our short conversation, to that one point, because there's another issue that I really want to bring to the forefront. And what I see as a mistake is that so many parents focus on a singular issue when they're talking about school boards and that's school choice now i think school choice is an excellent tool but what that does is not everybody has the opportunity to do school choice whether it's homeschooling or finding um, uh, charter schools or a private school or starting their own grouping um, because school choice is one of the solutions but it all those people those children that will be left behind in public schools, and I think the public schools are a bigger issue that needs to be addressed. Now, the books are a portion of it because, you know, we see the corrupt pornography, if you want to be clear about it, in those books. But I still see a a major problem with the teachers' union. I see a major problem with some of the mindsets of teachers that are literally in our K through 3 or 5th grade or all the way through high school, what are some of the other issues that Moms for Liberty are tackling?
2: I think we support, we absolutely support school choice and and what I would really say is education freedom. Every parent uh, shouldn't fee- shouldn't be worried that when they're sending their child to the classroom that the teaching in the classroom is directly antithetical to the teaching that's happening in their home. And um, when we get back to the basics of reading, writing, and math, we can safely give a child an education without worrying that the teaching will be antithetical to the teaching in the home. Um, you know, I, I think that's important. Um, we want parents to feel good about where their child's going to school and to feel that their child is getting what they need to unfold their full potential. Uh, I agree with you um, that not everyone has access to School Choice. But the truth is that I am watching as Florida has passed, uh, you know, universal uh, education savings accounts for kids. I'm watching even in my own tiny, small town, three schools. That are opening next year. They're starting with a grade or two at once. But what I am seeing is the marketplace responding. I don't know that it's responding as quickly as we need it to right now. Um, And I agree with you that public education will continue to exist and the children that go to schools, taxpayers in America, heck, the whole future of America, we deserve uh, to have uh, the money that we're spending on public schools and the time that we're taking from these children in their lives to be meaningful. Mm -hmm. And children should be learning how to read. The crisis that we have in America right now is a literacy crisis. Uh, The NAEP scores in 2022 just showed us that nearly two-thirds of American children are not reading at or above grade level. Guess what the NAEP scores, the National Association for um, Educational Progress, guess what they just announced that they were considering?
1: Dumbing them down is my (laughs)
2: guess. Not releasing the scores anymore. Because it's, been pol- because it's been politicized. No, the scores don't lie. The data doesn't lie. And so us taking action when we see scores like that and saying that the system needs to change, that it needs to be reclaimed and reformed, isn't being political. It's doing what's best for kids. But of course, mm-hmm. everything in this time that we live in has to be politicized. So what we see, this is public education in my experience. They protect themselves very well, using taxpayer dollars, by the way. Parents can't find a lawyer and can't pay for one, but don't worry, the school district can. And then they celebrate themselves and they will always find a way to manipulate the numbers to make it look like they are doing better than they are. And that's concerning. How do you have eighth grade proficiency rates that are in the toilet and yet you have over 90% of kids graduating uh, uh, in 12th grade? How is that possible? Are we it's teaching? Passing. Right. hundred mm-hmm. percent. So we have what's called graduation inflation. These are hard truths, uh, no one, it's not making anyone feel, it doesn't make me feel good to have to share them. Uh, it, they shouldn't be celebrated. That now you have to ask why. Why are we here? Why are we here in this moment with these these scores? Who's been in control of education for the past 20, 30 years? The teachers unions. And guess what? They don't like the bad scores because they don't want to have to own the harm. Because if we acknowledge the failure that's happening, if we really peel back and say, start asking questions like, are children being taught to read properly in school? You know, we have a lot of evidence to show that the science of reading meets the needs of every child in the classroom and that 95% of kids can learn to read, yet we only have a third learning to read. Are we teaching reading properly? Why is t- reading not being taught properly? And I asked those questions. And I was told the other day on Twitter that I was a white conservative woman who shouldn't be considered to have a voice in this because I'll hurt the movement. You know, Literacy should be for everyone. And it's ridiculous the idea that we would be doing any type of gatekeeping when it comes to improving American public education. And so moms and dads all over the country are standing up and they're taking their schools back because we're the biggest stakeholders. We're the ones with the kids in the school. We're the ones who are worried about the future of the country because our children are going to inherit that. I think it's Thomas Paine that said, if if there must be trouble, let it be in my days so that my children can live in peace. And that's really what guides the work that Moms for Liberty does.
4: Wow.
3: Well, Moms for Liberty, let, let's get back to your actual organization here because there were so many parents rights groups that sprung up locally and and we're on the central coast of California here. Um I know personally and I was, you know, I've been there at all the school board meetings myself. Um people found one another. Moms yep. and dads, grandparents, you name it, found one another to rally against uh, all the chaos of the last few years, but Moms for Liberty particularly caught fire and went from zero to hero, right? Starting in 2021. And if you look at the map of all the chapters that have sprung up, I think there's a number of these regional, local parents' rights groups that said, look at what Moms for Liberty is doing. They've got a lot of momentum and a lot of, um, you know, good, goodwill and let's, you know, let's get on that train. So I want you to speak a little bit to the successes that Moms for Liberty had in supporting um, candidates, flipping school boards in the 22 election. You wanna run through some of the numbers of uh, what was managed to be pulled off in just a short amount of time.
2: Yes. So we endorsed in over 500 school board races in 2022 and our candidates won um, over half of those um, with uh, 70 percent of all candidates being first time candidates, which to me is huge. You're engaging a whole new group of people to run for office. And that's what we need. We need servant leadership. We need people like George Washington who said, I'm not a king. You don't want a king. I'm going back home now, and you need to find and build the capacity for leadership in America. And that's really what Moms for Liberty is about. It's not about me or Tina. It's about being a leader in your own local community, and we're not a top-down organization. Uh, Our chapters are the ones that endorse the candidates. They're the ones who go through the vetting process. I was so incredibly proud of just getting, you know, in, in such a short time in, in a year's time, really getting, you know, all of these chapters to the point where they were able to go through a formal endorsement process, um, you know, and, and now our moms are where we work with the Leadership Institute, Institute to do different trainings around the country to help. You know, do you want to run for office? Is your friend running for office? Right? How can you work um, to help to support people who want to run for office? So, um, we've done a ton of work in that area. I, I said before the leadership part. I, I want to say it again. Also, all too often, um, I'll go to Washington now or other places, I, I get to work with other organizations. And there are some amazing organizations that really work to try to build people from the ground. But there's a lot of top down too. I think why there was the capacity for private or small parent groups to come and be a part of Moms for Liberty was really that we don't push things from the top. We don't say, this is what you need to care about, or you know this funder cares about this, so you need to do that. It's really about the leader in your community, your leadership team, the moms and dads identifying what the issues are that are, are you're handling. You know, California is very different uh, than Florida is. And so it's a different strategy that you have to take. And, um, you know, you're dealing with different issues. You know, we, we used to say that California was ahead of the rest of the country by about six or seven years when it came to issues. I think the age of information has really changed that. And now we're within, you know, really one legislative session to another where we're seeing things spread very quickly across the country. Um, but, you know, I, I'm so happy that parent groups felt like they wanted to be a part of what we were doing. Tina and I have seen, you know, districts in general, they'll pick you off one by one. If you just go by yourself, they'll figure out a way to, you know, either pretend like they solve your problem or maybe they do solve your problem for you. But, you know, if it's you're dealing with it, 10 other parents are right. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're together, our mission statement is to unify educate and empower parents when you bring people together around a common issue or cause like protecting kids and you educate them on the issues, so they can engage in meaningful dialogue and conversation then they are empowered to make change happen and that's really what Moms for Liberty is about
1: and and that I appreciate now we also have a very strong audience and a population in California Hispanic and I noticed that on your website you have a, a woman who is leading up or director of the Hispanic Outreach her name is mm-hmm. Catalina <clears throat> And maybe off air, you can have one of the staff send me a link to her and we can get her on the show as well. Because uh, as what we see here in California is that 60% of Monterey County as one of our radio stations is Hispanic. And the Hispanic culture is not buying into the Latinx. They're also very family oriented. They are very uh, traditional in terms of their goals and perspectives on life. And they too need to get involved in this organization, as well as being recognized and supported because the school board members in the school districts in that area are Hispanic run. And
3: yeah, know, I feel like, yeah, they, but they're getting unionized. They're not, yeah, I don't think that they know how to flex their muscles no. or, or use their voice. And that's just about education. Like you said, Leadership Institute has really great trainings Um, What would you say, Tiffany, though, to someone who knows that there's something wrong with what's going on in their school, they know the district's promoting um, agendas that they
1: don't like, exactly, Mm -hmm.
3: what would you advise a parent to do who feels powerless, who doesn't know where to start? I think the first step really
2: is to go to the principal of your school, like go to your child's teacher. I mean, you know, we're talking broadly about incidents. If there's an incident in the classroom where you feel that information is being presented to your child in a way that you're uncomfortable with or you feel there's bias, right, um, for some reason and you're not comfortable with it, then I think you need to go to the principal or the teacher. And then the principal and say, you know, this is being presented. I'm a little concerned about this. Can I have some feedback? And, you know, sometimes what we're finding is that by addressing these issues now, I mean, some things are in the state standards. I know that in California, you've had, you know, huge battles over ethnic studies, right? So some things are dictated and must be taught. Um, And, you know, at at that point, as a parent, you're going to have to work to change those laws. We have parents that are working to do that. Um, But just from a day-to-day perspective, first thing you can do is really meet your kid's teacher At the beginning of the year and set some expectations, some guidelines about what kind of communication you want to have. Um, And then from that point on, hopefully building that relationship, if you do have a concern, it'll be easier to be able to go to talk to them. Um, Sometimes something's happening in a classroom and you bring it to the attention of the principal and the principal says, oh, wow, I had no idea that's happening. I'm going to handle that. You know, we need to be able to solve problems at that most local level. Um, Sometimes the principal is going to say, I don't have a problem with it. And then you're going to have to take that higher, right? You're going to have to go to um, the superintendent or your own uh, local school board and bring it to their attention. And, you know, you'll just have to make that choice as to how you handle it after you go from the principal. Some parents, you know, some parents like to blast it. And by all means, you know, if you feel like you want to go to the school board and the superintendent at the same time, so be it. You should do that. Um, But the bottom line is be very clear. Make sure you have the evidence, right? Make sure you know exactly what was taught. Try to get the whatever it is that you're concerned about. Try to get some type of physical, you know, whether it's confirmation of an email or if it's a lesson, right? So that you can bring the facts and then just be really calm and ask questions and say, you know, I'm uncomfortable with this. Can you explain to me, is this mandated? Um, But it really is about building relationships. People have said before that Moms for Liberty wants to destroy public education. Nothing could be further from the truth. People don't fight for things that they don't care about. And we're fighting to reclaim public education because we know that it needs to be reformed. Um, You know, we want people to run for school board. We endorse and try to help people get elected to run for school board. So our goal is not to destroy the community relationship with their local school board. It's to build it. It's to create relationships so that you can have meaningful and honest conversations. Are we going to always agree? No, we are not. But when we're talking about children and when we're talking to someone about their own child, we must be respectful and we should never villainize parents for asking questions when it comes to their kids' education. Parents are the number one driver of student success. The idea that we could set up any type of educational system and not engage the parents as a true partner means that we are going to set ourselves up for failure from the beginning. And what I see happening in America is people saying, well, parents are really busy or they're not involved or some kids don't have parents who are involved. So let's try to set up a system that's going to work without the parent. It it just won't work. And it's not what America is about. And so, you know, the public education system has gotten very off course. American parents are trying to get it back on course. And if I'm going to if I was a betting person, I put my I put my money on the, the moms of America. Hear, hear, Edward.
1: (laughs) Well, what about dads? I mean,.
2: Yeah, we love dads, but this is kind of, you know, somebody said, no, (laughs) somebody is, listen, you know what, someone asked us once about uh, why Moms for Liberty. And I said, well, if you get the moms, you get the dads. You know, my uh, strong men support strong women and women traditionally have been the ones that have supported their children through education in America. That's not to say that dads don't, but what we saw during COVID was that it was a lot of moms who ended up staying home with their kids and trying to manage school. um, And, you know, so people would say, well, why didn't parents speak out? Well, in a lot of situations, you had parents and fathers who were the sole breadwinner um, during COVID and really weren't in a position where they felt that they could risk being able to support their family to be loud. And isn't that horrible? Isn't it awful that the Department of Justice, and you, talk, you spoke about me going to Congress, I went and I spoke to them about the fact that we had parents that were contacted by the FBI for speaking out at school board meetings. You know, the fact that the Department of Justice called moms and dads domestic terrorists for asking questions and tried to villainize parents is a problem. And so we love dads. We've got some dads who run chapters. We certainly have a ton of dads that are members. And um, you know, it's going to take every every parent. Um, but someone said to me once that Woke is a woman. Um, woke is kind of a perversion of the idea of charity or kindness. So you can't just go up and like punch woke in the face, right? You kind of have to take a different approach. And I think women, um, have been trying to take a, a different approach and, um, you know, we, we need as many men as possible to help us. And, uh, we welcome, uh, male members. So go yeah, dads.
1: So- and I know you do. I was just I was just kind of, <laughs> of tweaking you there for a minute. Now, I want to point people to your website momsforliberty.org, momsforliberty.org. It's spelled no brace, no spaces, no hyphens, nothing. There's also a really good link on there about starting a chapter, and I really encourage across the country that they must we must all join together in this and to do that we have to participate and one of the things i noticed in watching one of your interviews that you said that when you were encouraging in the last election for the school boards that 40 percent of the women that was a part of the organization hadn't voted in a primary election before that that totally shocked me i know that the republicans on the right are terrible at going to elections. Why? I don't know. But it really surprised me when I heard 40%. I'm glad you made a difference. Can we keep that difference going?
2: I think so. Again, the price of liberty is eternal vigilance. Someone asked me the other day, you know, wouldn't it be great if Moms for Liberty didn't have to exist? And I said, yeah, I guess in theory. I mean, like, honestly, this was never in my life plan. Like, you know, I thought I was, I ran for school board, um, You know, I I don't know exactly what I thought I was going to do afterwards. Probably just, you know, my my husband and I have a a business and and go back to strictly working with him. But, you know, life had a a different plan. But the truth of the matter is that we got into the situation we are in this country because people like you and me or other people in general were just living their lives, having businesses, raising their kids. They weren't, we weren't engaging in uh, civics. We weren't engaging in our civic process. We weren't engaging in government in the way that we should have. And a lot of the things that have happened wouldn't have happened if we were. And so, you know um, I think that uh, moms for Liberty is meeting uh, an important need right now. And I'm so incredibly proud of the men and women across the country that are you know, fighting for America and for, you know, freedom and liberty and and really free speech at a time when, you know, all of these ideas of free speech have been kind of um, warped, right? Um, You can say what you want as long as you're saying what I want you to say is kind of, you know, where where we've gotten to in this country. So um, before um, I go today, I do want to mention, if I could, um, that summit, Uh, we have an upcoming summit uh, in Philadelphia, June, uh, excuse me, June 28th, June 29th (laughs) through July 2nd, and um, we're announcing today uh, that President Donald Trump will be speaking there. Uh, Governor Ron DeSantis, v- Vivek Ramaswamy, Nikki Haley, um, I believe uh, Vice President Pence will be speaking as well. A lot of presidential candidates, actually all of the presidential candidates, were waiting to hear from President Biden and um, RFK. I'm hoping that uh, I don't know that President Biden will come uh, but he's welcome to speak if he'd like. I'm hoping that RFK will come because uh, moms and dads want to make sure that education and parental rights uh, are the top issues A candidates are thinking about when they're running for office
1: and, um, yeah. It's, it's an, Is it going to be televised or recorded?
2: Um, it, the main sessions will be live streamed. Hopefully we're working on that right now. Um, but, it, you know, it's more than just the speakers on the main stage, although it's amazing. What an honor to have so many amazing people speak and want to address our moms. Uh, but we have breakout sessions uh, mm-hmm. covering lots of different areas. There's a track uh, about American history. Um, I have a, a breakout session, six different breakout sessions on, you know, key issues that are impacting American parents and families and education education, like critical uh, race theory, comprehensive sex education, social emotional learning, all of these different things you hear about and need to learn more about to be able to advocate. uh, And we'll have some uh, legal uh, experts there to talk about parental rights. So um, just a really great opportunity to be around uh, people that are like minded, to kind of fill your cup with information and resources and um, a lot of camaraderie, right? A lot Mm of joy. We are joyful warriors. We are going to fight like heck for the future of this country with a smile in our face because our kids are watching us and you know we just celebrated memorial day Um, there are a lot of people that have given the ultimate sacrifice their life for this country and um, you know getting off the comfy couch and getting to that school board meeting paying attention to what's happening in your community how your tax dollars are being spent um, is, is you know truly not not a huge sacrifice when you look at the big picture
1: and I agree. I and agree. people people need to get on your website. They can sign up right on your website. It it's, does Philadelphia,
3: start- right, yes. yeah, it's Philadelphia, right, Tiffany? Yeah, the Philadelphia Summit. So right. that's special.
1: Right. <clears throat> so June 29th, Thursday.
3: Rocking the cradle of liberty.
1: <laughs> there you go. Right on.
3: Well, we uh, we appreciate your time today so much, Tiffany. Uh, there's so much more to cover. Obviously, the facets to this are, are many. And so... We are grateful for the work that you're doing and um, find a chapter near you. Everyone, I, you know, if you look at the map on their website of where the chapters are, fairly widespread. And so there's gonna be something either close to you or I encourage everyone to start, start your own chapter. You know there's parents rights people in your community. Get them together. Any last words, Tiffany? That's a
2: beautiful message. Um, once you hold the torch up and you say like, hey, I'm interested in doing this. Maybe you're not the chapter leader. Right? Maybe you're not going to be the chapter chair. Maybe you're really good. Uh, maybe you'd be a wonderful treasurer, or maybe you're really good with media and, and not so much being the chair. And and but you know somebody who might be great at that. Um, click to start a chapter. Start learning about what it's going to take, and then you have to have ten like-minded people to start a chapter. You can't do it alone. Um, so you're going to have to build that team out anyway. So I think it's wonderful advice. You know, hold up the torch of liberty. See who will join you, and then you know, forge ahead.
1: Well, thank you very much. Thank you. You guys, you uh, keep in touch and we'll have you back on a future show. Well, thank you very Mom much.
3: For liberty.org
1: Yes. Don't miss that. All right. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much. Um,
1: all right. Well, it re- looks like we need to take a quick break for our sponsors. You're listening to Business Sense Radio today, Issues That Matter with Edward King and Kristen Hurley. And we will be right back and continuing to finish out the first hour.
4: Freedom Fest 2023 is coming to the home of the blues and birthplace of rock and roll, Memphis, Tennessee, July 12th through 15th. The ultimate summit for liberty and financial freedom hosted by Fox Business, Lisa Kennedy. Attend our global financial summit. Four days of investment advice, dozens of financial experts. Use promo code biz50 and save 50 bucks off. That's biz Z five zero.
1: Reserve your spot at freedomfest.com. See you in Memphis. Business owners, do you want to build a successful business? Invest in your most valuable asset, your staff. Alliance Career Training Solutions solve your staff training needs. Employees need to be successful for you to be successful. At Alliance Career Training, we provide professional, hands on training classes including Excel, Word, Business Writing, Outlook, and Sexual Harassment as required by law. Ask about our custom classes for your team. Call 755-8200 or visit us at alliancetrains.com. Okay, we're back. Uh, You know, we want to shout out to our sponsors and just ask that you continue to, you know, support us through our sponsors and support the radio stations that we are on. And uh, Kristen, that was a pretty interesting interview there with uh, Tiffany. And I'm sorry that we didn't get her co-founder, that, um, you know, the two of them did so much to get this thing off the ground.
3: I would love to hear the two of them speaking together because (laughs) Tiffany was just so well-educated, so well-spoken, so... she had a lot to say. So I imagine the two of them are little firebrands together. Um, yeah. We should go to the summit, Edward. Yes. Raise the torch. <laughs> I love I love that she said that.
1: Well, you know, I I would love to go to it. Um, I've been to Philadelphia a number of times, and it's an interesting city to visit. Um, I don't know if it hasn't been burnt to the ground yet, like Detroit and Chicago. You know, if you can weather San
3: Francisco, you uh, can probably uh, weather I, Philadelphia. I,
1: I refuse to go to San Francisco. have <laughs> gone for years and have no plan on going anytime soon because, in my opinion, it's just kind of a den of drug dealers and corrupt officials all the way across the board. I'm surprised anybody with a brain still lives there.
3: I have been there recently. Really? Oh yes, full confession, yes. Um, and it's just dirty. It is so sad. I lived there for one very exciting year when I was 21. Okay. Um, and the, I don't know. The city is
1: just dirty. Well, I used to have clients uh, when I was doing back in my CPA days. I had clients uh, that were big major restaurants right there in the uh, wharf area, one of them mm. being Alioto's, the other one being oh, the, yeah. the Franciscan restaurant there. And there was a French restaurant and some other things. And uh, I loved San Francisco. Now, of course, this was back in the um, 1920s. Or- Right, right after the great earthquake. <laughs> I, I was the there
3: six earthquake. Uh, I was
1: Edward. I was participating in building the Golden Gate Bridge <laughs> back in twenty twenty one. no, seriously. Um no and it was it was a beautiful place to go. And even as late, I know that some of the medical treatments that my past my deceased wife was getting was in San Francisco. And so we always enjoyed being there. mm mm-hmm. But um to see the demise, I mean, I used to go to Union Square and go shopping. There was a cushioned shoe store next to Macy's, next to Neiman Marcus and Nord- Nordstrom's, and you know over on Madison Street and all of those areas. And then the big place on Market Street, which was a big shopping destination that had Broadway and all of that. And those stores are just closing down one left by and one. right. down yeah. they go. Nordstrom's, I think it was Nordstrom's closed both of their stores there
3: yeah and every other day you turn on the news and it's another
1: Another company
3: pulling out well i don't know how we got on san francisco but i
1: you brought it up
3: (laughs) speaking of going to philadelphia i think that there's something so powerful about being like she said with like-minded people and Mm -hmm. we are all Feel like we're by our loans themselves around here you i can't tell you how many people i run into that completely agree with me but just don't have the capacity to think that you know they think they can't do anything about it or they don't know anyone else that feels the same because nobody talks about this um it's infectious and inspiring yeah. to be in a crowd of people that working towards the same goal. I There's so many positives to this really bizarre world that we're living in, this mm-hmm. twilight zone. Uh, there's so much goodness coming out of it. And I think we have to just capitalize on that. Speaking of which though, I wasn't gonna waste the precious minutes we had with her, but Donald Trump and DeSantis and Vivac and RFK Jr, potentially everybody, Uh, At the same and Mike Pence, Pence. and she said, you know, everyone else that's a candidate is is invited. How awesome to find everybody at one same weekend event,
1: right? And and I've been to similar events like this, but I want to go back to the participation issue. I had mentioned and because I saw this in one of the interview recordings of Moms for Liberty and how. You know, they had gotten these groups going, right? These local chapters going. And they you know, you brought up the fact that more than fifty percent of the candidates that they supported in their attempt to get into the school board successfully got in and most of them most of them were first time at at Mm -hmm. participating and being on a board. So, the other thing I had brought up was that 40% of the women that were now voting it was the first time they had voted in a primary. So, you know, every two years we have an election and you know every four is the president and the other two are still involved some congress some senate well, all congress some senate and so forth lots
3: of local races and
1: local races and judges and da's and school boards and what we have learned in terms of the corruption of the american political system is that instead of going after the president which they go after the president's position all the time but there's being sneaky because what they did is they turned over DAs. And then what we ended up was lawlessness in the streets. And we've seen the corruption there and and the good cops leaving and the bad cops staying Um, and good lawyers leaving and the bad lawyers joining. And the point that I was getting getting to is, and it's the reason why I asked the question about, will that 40% continue to participate and then we also brought up the fact that there's uh, chapters that you could participate in and start and that she had brought up that you need 10 strong people to to participate to to start Mm -hmm. a chapter that are committed because this is a you know it's not a one-and-gun battle this this is an ongoing battle because even if when we win this war we have to protect our flanks down the road Right. So you had brought up a good point about those that just don't know if they have it to participate so how can they participate well they can participate in a number of different ways one is through donations you know we can all put out ten dollars a month or, or something we can also i was at an event just last night that would allow you they already had letters already written to different congress people and senate people and, and local uh, legislative and representatives that you simply can copy or just sign and mail and because in essence, you know, the letter represents what your feeling is, and, and they're just helping you by putting it down on a piece of paper, because what's going on, and I see this all the time in education, is that, you know, people will have a momentary passion or a passion that's kind of burning inside their soul, but they don't know what to do with it. And in essence, they just end up sitting on the couch
3: <laughs> and drinking <laughs> or something. like. Well, that. some
1: of us don't drink because <laughs> it gives us a terrible headache. <laughs> No, no,
3: I don't mean to make light of what you're saying. And we, we, I think we touched on that a few times here that you're either feel isolated, you feel powerless. You don't know that you have a voice. Mm -hmm. You don't know how to, as I said, flex your muscles. Okay. But this leads me into something I wanted to expand on with her had we more time. And she did mention Leadership Institute. Mm so case in point example set what am i doing this afternoon i'm driving up to sacramento to attend a leadership institute training all day tomorrow Mm. um having with regards to campaign and campaign management that sort of a thing but if you go to leader look up leadership institute i'm talking to everybody out there Mm -hmm. listening um there are courses and trainings galore so if you were the type of person that had this little notion in the back of your mind that you may wanna run for office. Mm -hmm. Um, You may be inspired to run for school board or even a local city council or you name it. Um, If that's your way that you're gonna get involved, Leadership Institute is a fantastic organization, trainings galore.
1: Even your, locally here in, the, in locally your different and, areas, you know, mm-hmm. in,
3: and virtually, and you can come virtually. in person or not. So that's just a tool; it's a resource for everyone. I encourage everyone to look that up. And yes, Moms for Liberty has been doing a lot of collaboration uh, with Leadership Institute, and I, I do believe that that's you know, if you feel like you want to take up the parents' rights torch, <laughs> um, that's mm-hmm. definitely a tool in your tool belt. Yeah, so.
1: and you know, I'm all only going to add to that because you know you might not be the person that's running but your best friend is exactly or someone that you you admire or want to help so you too should be going to these leadership institute trainings whether it's online or in person in person gives you a little bit more energy because in essence you know sometimes and i think that we really should be tired of doing life in zoom right oh and and we we need we need we need connections with actual live people because there's there's kind of a a storm that can be built that way that is not being built through the isolation of watching webinars. So yeah, your Sacramento Which thing put is me
3: right to sleep to be perfectly I put frank. you to sleep. No. Well, well <laughs> again, maybe, yeah, again. Uh, <laughs>
1: I can just push the mute button. That's even better. <laughs> I'm no. gonna get
3: my stick and okay. smack you across all the right. table here. But well, yes, all joking aside. Um, yeah, there's so much to do and so little time. And again, you're right. Moms for Liberty, their summit in Philadelphia. Maybe a plane right away. But on the other hand, mm-hmm. the goodness that you are gonna reap from that infectious energy will really, you know, maybe that's what's gonna spark. Um, you know, you're run in 2024.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's not just moms that are involved as, you know, I point, I kind of put the the kibosh on what about dads, but it's also grandparents. It's also aunts and uncles, you know, especially uh, people that don't have children that have the time and energy should get involved. Because the, the biggest concern I have as a businessman is I have been seeing the lack of skill set that are coming into the workforce that have graduating from college over the last four or five years and people will go well there's some good ones yes there are some good ones but the other 80 percent is suffering and i didn't want to get into this while we had the interview but this past weekend i actually had a chance to talk and interview two high school teachers long-term high school teachers and they were um i was down in the monterey County area, and they were high school teachers in Salinas, and Salinas was in the news a couple of years ago because of CRT, along with the Spreckle School District, and there was some real. Fortunately, they got rid of all those bad teachers. So hopefully, that's um, you know on the men's there in that school districts. But one teacher who is teaching at uh, a school, I won't mention the name. They he said that the and these guys, both the teachers, have been there a long time. That they're Reading levels fifth grade at as twelfth graders graduating twelfth graders their reading level was fifth grade, and the other school which was um you know a better school I guess if you want to think of that it's all relative it's all I relative <laughs> it was at sixth grade
3: oh well there there
1: you go right. That's so um so, and so much then, better you know and then the reality is and I this was some years ago not too many years ago takes six years to get through a two year community college now in Hartnell. You're
3: kidding me. And
1: over what's the one that's over towards Santa Cruz? What's well, the one?
3: Well, there's Cabrillo College. Uh, Santa so
1: Cruz. is Cabrillo is six years. Hartnell is six years um, to get a two year degree. And the reason why is is what the schools will tell you. What the lie is? Oh, is the difficulty of signing up for the classes. That's what they've been saying for years, but the, when you get right down to it, that's a lie. The reason is is the remedial education because they get in there, and here's an example, and this was 2014, so this is almost 10 years ago. The failure rate of the placement test at Hartnell, which is over in Salinas, mm-hmm. California, uh, was 90% failure rate coming out of the high schools. So these were news you know, diploma trying
3: to get into their basic math class or get get placed for
1: English class. Couldn't get in. They they had to be taught how to read and write. They had to be taught um, you know, the basics. Two plus two is four. And, you know, that was ten years ago. And it it is even worse today. It is even worse. And the reason why I bring this up for businesses is there's a reason why Apple and Google, who are the you know, really smart in hiring, they don't want people with a college degree. They, they want to just basically say, we're going to have to train you from scratch anyway, and we don't want you coming in with your bad work habits, and we're just going to train you ourselves. And the reality is that businesses should be absolutely involved in these school districts and absolutely involved in the education, the public education, because you, the business owners, whether you're some big ag company like Taylor Farms, uh, no matter how you think that you can attract the best candidates, which you probably could, the problem the best candidates have lucky to have an eighth grade education. And on top of that, they are more politically trained and less academically trained.
3: Here so, we get back to school choice, Edward. How right? How is it that it's acceptable that there's one stop educational shopping for everyone I you know I, I I can't see that school choice isn't the most obvious no-brainer no-duh kind of a thing in the in the world yet it's routinely routinely uh, besmirched and and beaten down and the the unions don't want it and Sacramento doesn't want it you name it
1: well um, but uh,
3: but in a school choice environment yeah it's competition
1: right well I mean think about it Gavin Newsom's kids don't go to public school; they go to private school because he takes advantage of school choice.
3: Gavin Newsom.
1: No, uh, it's no different than when we did Obamacare, because the you know the group of people that were not included in Obamacare Congress was exempt, was, right? Congress and the Senate <laughs> and the bureaucracy, yep. all of the government people, were smart enough to know that. wow, this is so bad. We need to have an exemption, and they all got it, and they continue to get their full health insurance paid for by you and me, the taxpayers, and the people of America, and the reality is the same thing in regards to school choice whether you have kids in school or not you're paying for these schools whether you're a businessman you're a business owner or even a manager or an hr director you are going to pay the price of this pass-through education she had pointed out tiffany did that they have the what was it 80 percent don't have a fourth grade education at fourth grade they don't don't read to level or something like that was her number but the point is is that why shouldn't businesses get involved? And I'm saying that they should be involved just absolutely. like a parent.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Just like
1: a parent. So we let's see, did we take another break? I think I, we should. We need to take another quick break for our sponsors. You're listening to Business Sense Radio. Today is Issues That Matter with Edward King and Kristen Hurley. We had a wonderful 40 minutes with our previous guests from Moms for Liberty, and we will be right back.
4: Freedom Fest 2023 is coming to the home of the blues and birthplace of rock and roll, Memphis, Tennessee, July 12th through 15th. The ultimate summit for liberty and financial freedom hosted by Fox Business, Lisa Kennedy. Attend our global financial summit. Four days of investment advice, dozens of financial experts. Use promo code biz50 and save 50 bucks off. That's biz Z five zero. Reserve your
1: spot at freedomfest.com. See you in Memphis. Business owners, do you want to build a successful business? Invest in your most valuable asset, your staff. Alliance Career Training Solutions solve your staff training needs. Employees need to be successful for you to be successful. At Alliance Career Training, we provide professional, hands-on training classes, including Excel, Word, business writing, Outlook, and sexual harassment as required by law. Ask about our custom classes for your team. Call 755-8200 or visit us at alliancetrains.com. Okay, we're back, and we are here to just finish up the first hour, and we were very, very pleased that we had Tiffany Justice from Moms for Liberty.
3: One thing I really wanted to talk with her about was— Censorship. And Edward, next hour, I think you and I are going to walk through some more court cases with respect to censorship.
1: No, we have to censor that <laughs> because we're domestic I know terrorists. You're,
3: <laughs> you're dying to hit my mute button again and censor me, Edward. But no, but, yeah, you know, no. the everyone has seen the viral videos of the parents at the school board meetings doing public comment session. Right. Yeah. And they've got their three minutes to either read from the nasty porno books that they have found in the school library mm-hmm. or it, you know uh, they're railing against the mask mandates and uh, you know all of the school shutdown garbage that we've been through yeah. and the the way that these parents have been kicked out of meetings, right? We had that guest a, a number of weeks ago who represented the group in Georgia where the school board actually banned the parents from coming to the school board meetings. <laughs> you can't do that. Mm-hmm. But the they had the gall to put a police uh, presence in the school board meetings and tell these parents, the mama bears of Forsyth County, whatever group it was, that they could not attend because they were bringing to light the the garbage that was in the curriculum and the libraries, et cetera. Yeah the government and this also gets back to the fbi and the doj merrick garland calling us domestic terrorists um wants nothing more than to silence our voices and it's the most insidious and frightful thing i think about what's going on in this crazy twisted time of life we're living in um is that they are free to get the president of the united states is free to get up um and call everyone any sort of names he wants, the extreme, mega mm-hmm. extremists, and mm-hmm. no, 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 mm-hmm. and say these false things about white supremacy. We talked about that the other week.
1: So what and we'll do is, we'll you can- and
3: I are not allowed to to say what we feel, and we don't have our First Amendment
1: rights. Anyways, we'll, we'll get back after this next break and it start out with second hour. And you've been listening to Issues That Matter.
0: With Edward King and Kristen Hurley, you can contact Edward and Kristen through the website bcrradio.com. Be sure to join us again next week at the same time on this station for another edition of Issues That Matter with Edward King and Kristen Hurley. And don't forget, if you're listening in Monterey, Hour 2 is coming up right after the news at 3 p.m. Pre-seating was a paid commercial program, and the views expressed are those of the speaker and do not reflect the views or opinions of iHeartRadio, its staff, or management.